chapter 11, commencing at verse 29. And this reading is looking back on some of the saints in the Old Testament and what they went through, and it starts off with the going across the Red Sea. If you've got the church Bible, it's page 1210, 1210, Hebrews 11, verse 29. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed but those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign enemies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and ill-treated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, and when the word therefore comes, we need to take note <laughs> particularly. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. May God bless this reading to every one of us.
Our second reading can be found on page 1046 of your Bibles. That's my friend. Um, Luke chapter 12, verses 49. Starting to read at verse 49, that's 1046. Jesus said, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? This is the Gospel of the Lord. Your name will be glorified. That what is heard is from you. That what is spoken is from you. And that our hearts will be changed and softened. Amen. I'm going to be focusing on the Hebrew passage from page 1210 in your church Bibles. When I was quite young, I loved to run. I would run for hours and hours. I know looking at me now, you might think she could do with some running, but I did. And as I was brought up on a farm, I had so much space. And one summer, I worked out a route that I could do most evenings, and the route took me over streams and over ditches, through a wooded area and over the hill into our neighbor's farm and I would spend hours out running and then in the September when I moved to big school this very enthusiastic PE teacher said to me what are you good at and in my naivety I said well because I've spent the summer running I'm quite good at distance running so she watched me go around the track twice and decided I was up to the 10,000 meter competition and of course I lost, and I never ran again. And this memory only came back to me this week when I opened this passage and read it. And I now understand what went wrong. You see, I loved running, loved it. And I was good at it. I run for hours most evenings. But I didn't understand anything about pacing myself about strategy, about running to win. I just ran without a purpose, just for something to do in the evening. In a proper race, apparently, and Luke knows this, I was supposed to pace myself. Is that right, Luke? I was supposed to match my time against the others, tuck myself in behind the pacemaker, and take the lead at the right time. But all this detail 
was lost on me. I didn't have a clue. I just ran. A bit like, what's your man in the film? Forrest Gump. I just ran. And the writer of Hebrews here talks about running a race, a race with purpose, a race with perseverance, with a goal in front of us. I still on? Yeah. How different was my teenage race in comparison to the race that I now run? And the opening verses of chapter 12 tells us how we should approach such a race. Release. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run the race. Encouraged, since we are surrounded by a great cloud and focused, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So let's start with release. When an athlete trains, apparently, they carry weights in order to build up strength and stamina. But for the real race, when they get to the competition, they take it off and they don't carry an ounce of extra weight so they can run as fast as possible. And in training, they know exactly how much weight and where to put it and how long to train with it, where to put them on their body to build up those particular muscles. Unfortunately, as Christians, we sometimes forget to run like this. We forget to take off the stuff that holds back. Unlike the athlete, what we allow ourselves to carry around, it drags us down. It doesn't aid our running. It makes our running hard work. Worrying about concerns, resentments, hurts, disappointments, sins, and so on. These things can trap us up, can block our trap, our track, and send us off in the wrong direction. These things make us slow and tired. And sometimes we're not even aware that we carry these loads. They climb into our training kits unnoticed and do the damage. So we have to take them off. Get rid of the weights that slow us down and distract us. Be released so you can run your best race. And we know how to do this as Christians. Jesus himself is our example. We see on many occasions when Jesus was tired and the crowd pressed in on him, wanting more and more from him. He withdrew from them and went to spend time with his father to release himself from the pressures of the crowd. He prayed. He verbalized his concerns and tiredness, and he took it to the Father. And that is the same for us. We pray, we verbalize it, and we wait, for our, we wait in faith for our Father to respond. And our writer here in Hebrews gives us an example of people who did not allow their circumstances pressing on. Here in Hebrews 11, which Melvin read to us, we do not have a list. We do not have a list of men and women 
who failed in their circumstances or because of their circumstances. But we have a list of faithful people who pressed on and achieved their mission despite their circumstances. Their experience and example is that true biblical faith means obeying God in spite of circumstances and consequences. So let us release ourselves from the things that we have put on ourselves, the things that hold us back and us off course. And I pray that we will have the wisdom just throws at us. There is a difference in those two. In both, we learn to press on, press into the Lord as we run the race. Let us run our race without extra weight and the pressures which do us no good. Be encouraged. So we've seen this list here in chapter 11, and the writer uses us to show that faith only records victories. The writer does this in order to encourage the reader in his race. And we see it all the time in sporting events, don't we? The athlete shouts to the crowd and they shout back. We saw them, come on, we saw them at the Commonwealth Games. They were going, <laughs> and the crowd went. Go Steph was there, and at the football matches, we all go, come on, Liverpool, come on, West Ham. And it encourages the team, and it gives them energy. We see it all the time. They take up the chant, and it helps them to get across that finish line, to score the goal, to jump that high bar. And we all need encouragement, every single one of us. Jesus in the garden on the final night before his arrest and death. And he took his closest friends with him into the garden and to pray with him and to keep watch with him. And as we read and study the lives of these great men and women listed here, we are encouraged. Take Rahab, for example, a woman of no faith, a woman leading a life that was rather questionable. You can read the beginning of her story in Joshua 2. But she followed the call that God put on her life, even though at the time she didn't recognize it was God's call. And in the end, she was saved by faith. And her actions were pivotal in saving the nation of Israel. And in the end of her story, who knows what happened at the end of her story? She married Salmon, yeah? Who had Boaz who was an ancestor of King David, out of whose line came Jesus. Why, we're all standing here today. Jesus came from that line. I won't go into detail about the rest of them here. But go home, look them up and read them. And we find men and women used by God in amazing ways. You mean I've got to use my hands for something else? We find men and women that God uses in amazing ways. And they all have one thing in common, faith. They followed on and pressed on 
and kept their eyes focused on where God called them to be. And what encouraged them was the telling of the stories of old. They retold the stories from generation to generation. They knew the story. They knew the story of Moses, the Red Sea, the crossing of the River Jordan, the walls coming down. They knew the story, and that encouraged them. And there are many, many stories that built up their faith, reminding them of God's provision and encouraging them to keep going and keep going. And so it is for us too. The stories that we read in the Old and in the New Testament encourage us today and keep us going. Last week at the five o'clock congregation, a woman stood up and shared how in the last six months her husband had died. And then suddenly she got very poorly and was rushed into hospital and was diagnosed with bowel cancer. And she lay in her hospital bed and wanted to die. And someone came to her bed, she doesn't know who it was, and prayed with her. And the word she remembered was, God is strong, trust in God. And that was her turning point. She began to recover her strength and is now able to cope with whatever is in front of her. And she has a long road in front of her. These encouragements build us up, sustain us in the bad times, and help us to run our race. So maybe over the best coffee in Chumshood later on this morning, instead of talking about our holiday, instead of talking about work, maybe we could tell each other of a time when we were encouraged, when we were built up so that in turn we build each other up as we run our race. But there's no point in any of this unless our eyes are fixed on Jesus, unless we are focused on the goal in front of us. You see, my running all those years ago did me no good because I had no purpose. I was just running around the farm with the little Jack Russell at my heels. And in the end, when I was faced with the real race, I didn't know what to do. Sorry. Jesus went into the garden on the final night. And he prayed to God, the author of all that was about to happen to him. He expressed his weakness. But in speaking these words, not my will, but yours be done. He demonstrated complete focus on what the Father wanted from him. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 2, by keeping our eyes on the finish line, we are focusing on Jesus, who himself will be there to greet us, welcoming us back home. He has run the course before us. He knows what stumbling blocks may be before us. He has run his race, and we are called to follow in his first footsteps. First, 
We are not called to do anything that he has not already completed. He crossed the line and is standing waiting for us with the cloud of witnesses who too have completed their race. They are cheering us on just as we today can cheer each other on and encourage each other to stay focused. And the real motivation for getting across our finish line is the welcome. The welcome we will receive when we run home into the arms of the welcoming party, when we are greeted by our, by our Heavenly Father and receive our crown. And because it's me, no talk can ever finish without a plug for home groups. Yes, it can be hard at nighttime to come out and sit in someone else's house and study the Bible and pray. But home groups are our training grounds. Our leaders and our teachers are our coaches. Our fellow group members are the crowd cheering us on. This is where we train. This is where it is safe to take off the weights we have burdened ourselves with. It is in home groups that we share the race and have company as we strive to cross the finish line. So today, be released. Be encouraged and encourage one another. And be focused as you keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen.